Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Call him Jose McNulty because he is out to catch all of the bad guys within Italian football. He was quoted this week, you lock up every liar, there's no room in the FIGC for anyone else, right? More trouble than it's worth. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod, guys. As always, my name is Rory and I'm joined by my very good friend, Adam. Hey, Rory. How are you doing? It feels like we haven't done this pod for a long, long time now. Um, but yeah, I'm back from the Highlands of Scotland, had my haggis, and I'm nice. ready to discuss some more football. How was your weekend, mate? Yeah, not bad. Not bad, really. Yeah, not too bad. And say so you can't beat haggis for haggis for breakfast or the haggis fritters when you have like the full yeah. Scottish breakfast or whatever. Absolutely banging. Had them a few yes. times. Um, did you have a good time up in Scotland? Very good, mate. Very good. Obviously, saw my good friend Craig get married. So, uh, yes, congrats. Congratulations, Craig. I don't know. He's enjoying himself in the Highlands, literally right there at the moment. Um, But yeah, um, otherwise, took in Edinburgh. Uh, Didn't get to explore it all, but it's a beautiful city, has to to be said. Uh, The architecture. You don't kind of appreciate you're in a city until you're kind of there and like you see kind of the. I don't know how to describe it, but you've got the nature side of it mm-hmm. and then the historic buildings and then you've got the cosmopolitan kind of vibes of Edinburgh itself. So, yeah, picturesque. That's all I can say. Picturesque views. It's but, a really, uh, definitely it is one of my, yeah, my favourite cities. I love that you can see Arthur's seat just through the building. Yeah. It's just really beautiful, isn't it? Really, really beautiful. If you've not been, guys, uh, uh, the newest on our travel recommendations is Edinburgh, <laughs> yes. if you haven't heard definitely. of it. Um, <laughs> To do a little bit of football, because we are a football podcast, we need to allude to the story that we introed with. Now, Mm. we were talking about it on the WhatsApp group today, Adam. Um, Yes. I think he brings so much entertainment, so much... He just brings so much (laughs) to the league. He brings so much quality, so much drama. The latest (laughs) in the Jose Mourinho versus the FIGC chapter is that in the previous game... Uh, Jose was wearing a wire. <laughs> he was wearing <laughs> yes. a recorder so that the officials couldn't lie about what he said to them. And if they said anything dodgy to him, he had it recorded. Now, how <laughs> much do you love this story? It's beautiful because it wouldn't come from any other coach apart from Jose Mourinho, right? <laughs> As you alluded to, 
Jose Mourinho and drama just come together and yeah. you know Serie A is so lucky to have such a character to be fair um I don't know if he was bluffing but if he was bluffing that's a hell of a bluff as well at the same time so uh, I think that's going to put a lot of referees and assistants on their toes now certainly after that Sassuolo incident who I'm kind of mm-hmm. currently donning their shirt in the background um but yes um I'd love it to be true just to hear what he gets up to, what he actually actually says and what they say back. What he actually says to Sol Backham when he tells him to sit down again. (laughs) (laughs) I I honestly absolutely love it. And I think knowing Jose, it could be a double bluff and he's just doing it so that now they are careful when they speak and they never will be quite sure. And it's all just this... This, he he lives off the mind games. I think he needs it. He needs it <laughs> yeah. like oxygen to keep him going. And it's just so good. For, I think if you were a Roma player, I think it would genuinely really help to have your manager just taking all of the headlines all of the time. You'd be like, okay, there's no... There's less pressure on us, less people <laughs> exactly. talking about us because that nutter next like, in his office <laughs> is concocting another plan. But I do really, really like that he's going against the Italian Football Federation. They have a lot of problems. I know Jose's not an angel, but he seems to be taking them on. On I think in general arguments that like, I think he's on the right in. Like he's yeah. kind of, you know, the way the referee talked to him was a disgrace. I'm sure Jose wasn't polite either, but these are things that need fixing. So I think, yeah, we are with you, Jose, and please keep bringing the entertainment because Serie A has been fantastic this year. It just keeps getting better. But in this show, I'm going to take you through the Premier League headlines before Adam takes you through the Serie A headlines. There's been a lot of midweek action, a lot of midweek action from Monday night all the way through to tonight as we are speaking There is Premier League and Serie A action in the Premier League. We're going to be talking Stamford Bridge is falling down as a woeful display at the Emirates. Kickstarts Arsenal <laughs> season back just when we needed it. We'll be talking about the Chelsea side and the Arsenal side of that game. Um, we mm. need to talk about Haaland. He's done it. Egg on Rory Jennings's face. Haaland <laughs> has done it with six games left. Uh, six games left to go. He's broken the Premier League record. How many goals do you think he will finish? We'll be talking about it. And then we need to talk about as well the disgraceful VAR decision at Fulham, uh, at Liverpool for Fulham. Um, That was a baffling one. And Mm. a fascinating mental relegation battle between Leicester and Everton. So those are games we're going to be looking at in the Premier League. Adam, what can we expect in Serie A? Well, Serie A... As ever, surprises us, as we uh, expected. But uh, Inter Milan, in particular, hit Hellas Verona for six with a fantastic goal by Chanologu, mm-hmm. as well as a fantastic goal by Dzeko. But we'll be talking about them as they kind of build up this mini kind of form going into the big game of the Champions League. So we'll talk about the other side of Milan, who aren't doing so well, Um barely scraped a point against Cremonese, who were Mm. maybe unfortunate on the night. But yeah, we'll talk about them. We'll also talk about the uh, show that is Juventus. And they continue to, uh, alongside Mourinho, uh, give us lots of joy as they continue to inform us with Allegri insights as well along the way. And we'll also uh, talk about the relegation battle. So it doesn't seem concluded just yet between Hellas Verona, Spezia, and potentially Lecce. So we'll um, talk about a little bit of an update on that. And then, obviously, the big one, potentially tonight, Rory, we might be announcing Napoli as champions 
of Serie A, but we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. We have 13 minutes left, pure men or more or less. Mm. So when we get to Serie A section, hopefully we will be crowning some champions. Please don't fuck this up, Napoli. Well, <laughs> listeners, we will see you on the other side to discuss some prime Barclays. And here we are. It's time for the Premier League. And I'm delighted, guys. Yes, for the first show in a while, guys. For the first show in a while, Arsenal mm. actually aren't top of the league. <laughs> we are no longer top of the league, but my spirits remain high. An easy, beautiful 3-1 win over Chelsea at the Emirates. Definitely accommodated by Chelsea. Mm. Uh, definitely made it much, much easier than it should have been. I was. Yeah. very nervous before this game. I think all football fans, every, all the listeners will know that when your team comes in against a team who haven't won for a very long time, you're more scared than if they're on a good run of form because you're so mm. terrified it's going to be you that gives them that boost. But thankfully, that wasn't to be. But we're going we're gonna to kind of focus on the Chelsea side of it, I think, because it's a bit more okay. interesting than the Arsenal side. Now, for that first 45 minutes, Adam, I'm going to get your thoughts. I feel like Chelsea mm -hmm. came into it a bit more towards the, in, in the second half or towards the end of the second half, partly because Arsenal took their foot off the gas and we are unable to really yeah. see the game out. But the first 45 minutes in particular, I don't think I've seen a performance that bad this season except for Tottenham against Newcastle. Just any chance <laughs> to give that another shout. But how? what were your impressions of Chelsea's first 45 minutes and what do you think the kind of main issue is there i think it might be in the shape of a former premier league midfielder but what do you think is the main <laughs> issue there? um yeah i think the issues are very deep at the moment um i think what was surprising for me and i don't know about you um was just the lack of fight from this chelsea mm -hmm. team just you're going into a derby um and i know the form isn't favorable towards chelsea leading up to this match but you kind of expected a bit more fight. And I'm sure even you, Rory, would have expected a bit more squeaky bum time for the first 45 minutes. But Arsenal made it look so easy. Um, they passed it around so crisply. And they got... Th this is the important point that I think I got out the first 45 minutes was Chelsea just didn't react to the second ball. Like every time that Arsenal misplaced the ball or you know lost possession... Arsenal pretty much got the second ball back and they were able to build on the kind of counter-attacks or just their kind of passing or pressing. And yeah, there was a number of performances that has to be highlighted. The likes of Sterling, I mean, I don't know what he was doing for mm. his positional sense, but also in terms of contribution. I mean, there's some few questionable kind of decision-making, but also like, I think it was the third goal. Um and Thiago Silva kind of, I don't know, he just kind of sits back off his attacker at the time. And I think it was um, Jesus who just manages to slam it back home. And yeah. I, I, I don't really know what what you put that down to because it, is there a confidence issue? Yes, there is plenty of confidence issues across that team because I don't think they know how to play with each other because that team has been rotated so many times. Um but yeah. also, it just doesn't feel like they've got any appetite to fight. And um, yeah, you could argue second half, we saw a little bit of fight. Um, but I think that was kind of Arsenal just sitting back. After, mm -hmm. I think it was the 60, 70 minute mark, they didn't really push as hard. Um, 
but I don't know. Get your thoughts as well, because like it is a bit worrying. And I know we joke about Chelsea going down, but on this form, I cannot see them getting a point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is yeah. it. I, there is nothing in that performance. And I think like it's all, it's easy to be hyperbolic and be like, you know, like, oh, Chelsea, you're going to get relegated, banter. Like, but I think looking at that performance, there is nothing about that performance that makes me think they're going to beat Bournemouth. Bournemouth yeah. that have been incredible since they lost since they lost to us. I think they've not lost a game. Yeah. Like they've been an incredible run of form. They then go away to no, they got Forest at home. Now that has to be a win. Forest's away form has been atrocious. But again, nothing about that Chelsea performance shows me that they're gonna get anything there. No. And then they've got United away and City away. They're not winning either of those games. So no. I think there's a genuine thing about Look for the for the Barclays narrative. I'm a simple man. I'm not asking for much. I just want a chance that Chelsea can be relegated on the last day, just for the to be a chance. I'm not saying they need to go down, just for it to be a possibility. It would be beautiful. But I think, it, in all seriousness, I think what, what I did see in that team was now they were terrible under Potter, but they were getting the odd result. Right, they were yeah. getting a win here or there. They were getting a draw. I know fans weren't happy. The performances weren't great, but it felt like he, given more time, he could have maybe got somewhere or he could have started. He could have mm. given them a a more positive ending to the season than, they, yeah. than they're having now. What I see with Lampard is they've got markedly worse, like markedly mm. worse. They've scored two goals in the, is now 10, so six losses in a row in all competitions. So I think it was counting it. Seven, seven games now where they've gone... Just basically defeat, defeat, defeat. Um, they scored two goals in totals mm-hmm. now, including that goal against Arsenal. Um, so basically, they mirrored what they did last month under Lampard mm-hmm. by scoring a goal. So they exceeded expectations already for the month. Um, but <laughs> that's the only positives you can draw upon yeah. because it is terrible. Um, but I think Lamp- the- Lampard's lost. He's just, yeah. I don't think he's the person to inspire it. And interestingly, obviously, the guest that we're hoping to have on our show, Charlie from Blues Brothers podcast, he did a live um, episode and he was just talking about he's he's a legend, but that's all it is. He, he shouldn't mm-hmm. be anywhere near that squad because he doesn't have a clue. No, well, you can, you can, if there's one thing that screams to you, the man doesn't have a clue, it's picking Aubameyang. That was purely, (laughs) that was purely the only decision, the only thought pattern behind that decision was sometimes players score against their old teams. That is the only reason. And like we were saying it on the group chat again, like it's just, that is just for narrative. That is just vibe. And that, what that will say to the squad as well, they all know that. Obama Yang knows that. Every player in that team knows that. They all look at him and go, oh, well, you don't have a fucking clue what you're doing yeah. here. You are throwing in a striker who hasn't played, hasn't started since the last time Arsenal played Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. So pre-World yeah. Cup, I think. He's not played since then. He's not started since then. And you've thrown him in at the Emirates. I honestly felt really bad for Aubameyang. I was just like, mm. you've just been hung out to dry and embarrassed. Like, you're yeah. not match fit. No one at the club wants you. You're not happy no. there. He's only there because his house got robbed in Barcelona and he had to leave. Like... It's. I just felt incredibly sorry for him. I thought that Lampard's absolutely stitched in there, and what he's also done is stitch himself. Because if the players weren't already hadn't already lost faith in him, they will now. And I think yeah. they're just going to have such a negative end to the season. The the rumors about Pochettino have gone quiet. Mm. It all seems like it's just very very 
dead. Yeah. But I want to give Chelsea fans a bit of a positive because there were some positives that I, no- I, I noticed in that game. There are a few. Um, Madweke is an incredibly exciting player. I think you get mm-hmm. him a proper coach, he caused us problems all night. Like he was the one Chelsea player that we, our defense couldn't handle. He's the one that got the goal in the end. Sinchenko defensively needs to wake up because he's not been good enough defensively recently. But mm-hmm. Madweke with a great finish, I thought he was really, really good. Um, and I also wanted to kind of last word on it: the treatment Mudrick got, like Arsenal fans, for oh, God's yeah. sake. The only reason he didn't, he's not at Arsenal, is because we didn't pay the money. He made it blatantly clear he wanted to come to Arsenal. The club didn't want to pay the money. We don't need to boo him, right? I appreciate the chance of, like, you should have come to the Arsenal are quite funny. That's quite funny. But booing him and shining lasers in his eyes, like, we're better than yeah. this, guys. Like, we should be better than this. And again, a player that once Chelsea sort their shit out, he is a hell of a player because he came on and he wanted mm-hmm. that goal. He yeah. absolutely wanted that goal. And he, again, like, Ben White has been one of the best right-backs in the league this year and he could not handle Mudrick. Very, very exciting player. So there are some, still some green shoots there at Chelsea. Mm. And these young, exciting signings they've made could pay off. It could just take a while and they need to sort out the burning fire that's happening now. I think Lampard being there for the rest of the season. He's going to get another Premier League job, you know. I and I think know. he's honestly one of the worst managers we've seen in the Premier League. I'm talking like mm-hmm. De Boer level of bad. Yes, yeah, yeah. He's getting to that point where it's embarrassing now. And whoever happens to have him as a manager, just good luck. Good luck yeah. and hope that he doesn't destroy the club too much. Um, because, yeah, I, I I don't know what inspires like chairman to think that he's a good representation of a coach. Like there are other people out there that probably don't have the same prestige as Lampard in terms of his playing career, but, are, you know, not getting a shout out in terms of being a coach at a bigger club. So for me, it just feels so off. And someone that's not even willing to maybe just learn from his mistakes in his first posts and go yeah. down the leagues, just build himself up and, you know, improve himself. You Look at the likes of, say, Michael Carrick, for example. Yeah. He's a shining example of someone that has kind of been in a coaching environment, decided to, you know, bide his time. He's got a nice club, the right kind of setup for himself. And he's probably going to likely bring up Middlesbrough with him into mm-hmm. Premier League potentially next season. Um, and another example is Kieran McKenna, who obviously yeah. is at Ipswich Town. Um, bought in a philosophy that's probably not suited to League One, but stuck by it. And now they're in the top two. They're probably going to be at least second place by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But he's another exciting coach, really. So there's two examples there of you know people that have gone it about their business the right way. And that's probably where Lampard needs to learn. But I don't feel that he's got the right ethics. He doesn't come across as someone that is going to sit down and learn about the game or do some homework, for example. He's just he's on just reputation and that's it well this is it and it, like i couldn't tell you what his style or philosophy no. is i couldn't tell you tactics. what type of football he likes to play and he's been he's had three premier league jobs chelsea everton and now chelsea again chelsea still again. couldn't tell yeah. you what type of football they're even trying to play and yes it, all all his post-match conferences are just oh there's no motivation they don't have the bottle they're not running they're not working hard enough yes all 100 percent true but also the complete lack of disorganization yeah. in that, like there has to be a trend between 
Lampard's Chelsea having zero organisation, Everton yeah. having zero organisation, and now Lampard's Chelsea having zero organisation. There's a trend here, Frank. Like, yeah. you obviously cannot coach structure and shape. Like, it's something you need to go and work on. Like you said, as those managers and those coaches have, you have to go and shape, like, hone your craft, like Moyes did when he disappeared for mm -hmm. two years. And Eddie Howe after the Bournemouth yeah. job. Like, people go, they develop, they come back. Lampard doesn't seem to be learning this, and he just the fact that he knows where the toilets are at the training ground seems to get him the job. Like, it's just mad. If I was a Chelsea fan, I'd be pulling my hair out. But thankfully, I'm not. Um, <laughs> Arsenal have now unbeaten in every uh, every London derby this season. Nice. Um, the only teams to score against us, Chelsea and West Ham. Um, that was nice. It was a really comfortable yeah. win. Really, really enjoyed it. The big game this weekend is Newcastle. That's the one I'm nervous about now. But mm. we'll be talking about that at the end of the show. Um, but we need to go down to the bottom of the of the division. Um, and what was an absolute beauty of a game? Everything we hoped for. Drama everywhere. Um, Leicester 2, Everton 2. Now, this was a proper battle. It was an absolute mm. battle of a game. There was save penalties. There was... Tackles flying everywhere. There was a Jamie Vardy shit house celebration goal. How much did you enjoy this game? I really enjoyed it. I liked it in the sense of, um, yeah, it didn't seem to have that kind of carefree, uh, like or maybe there was a carefree attitude, should I say, um, because there wasn't so much a kind of solidness between both sides. They were a bit wary, but they knew they had fragilities, for example, across their teams. Um, I was surprised that Everton got them sort of back into the game but maybe Leicester paid them too much respect especially in the second half um, because it looks for the majority of the game that I saw that they seem to be in control of this so uh, maybe that's the reason why Leicester are in this relegation dogfight is that they have got the quality they've got the players for example but they are just maybe too respectful and haven't imposed themselves enough on the opposition Um and that was very evident. Um, I think Everton did very well to get back into this game. Like I say, I, I was surprised that they managed to get themselves back in this game. They had their chances, though. There was mm -hmm. one corner, for example. I think it was Michael Keane should have done better. Um, but there is a worry at right back because Seamus Coleman, obviously, he's oh, now injured. It looks one. like he's horrible. now ruled out for the rest of the season. So that means likelihood is going to be Ben Godfrey at right back or Lewis Holgate, which we know both of them aren't very good in that position. Yes. So it's a bit of a worry for Everton going forward. Um, I know Calvert-Lewin was back. That was promising, I suppose, from an Everton perspective. But again, Except he missed that little. absolute sitter. He missed yeah. an absolute sitter. And I thought we were going to see the most Everton moment ever where <laughs> Everton Twitter would have gone into meltdown where Calvert-Lewin misses from on the line. And the yeah. ball goes right up the other end. Vardy sprints through and clips it over the keeper, but it bounces off the crossbar. And I thought that would be the cruelest yeah. thing ever. But I feel like, like obviously, Calvert Lewin's had a very difficult, uh, difficult season. Lots of injuries. It just uh, hasn't really felt like he's been himself recently. Nah. And it just, that was the finish of a striker with no confidence. Like that was. It, I cannot believe he missed that. But for Leicester, I thought there were some really good performances Madison again is so key to that team like anything he does anything, anything they do go through him um but yeah some really good fight from Everton um also want to talk about Iwobi a beautiful finish from Iwobi um for the equalizer and a player who I think 
whenever I've talked to Everton fans, if the, mm. if you talk about bright sparks in their team, his name yes. is always fairly near the top of the list. And he's playing a kind of position that I never thought he would have played. Mm. He's not. Yeah. He's playing like almost a number eight now. It's like yeah. a kind of box-to-box midfielder um, trying to dictate play, late runs mm-hmm. into the box. Like obviously Arsenal was always a winger to yeah, varying exactly. degrees of success. Mm-hmm. And I think seeing him in this position, I'm just really enjoying it. And I, I kind of wanted Everton to suffer when Lampard was there, but now he's not there. I really hope they pull <laughs> themselves out of it. Um, and I'm really, really glad to see be doing well. Because I think even if Everton do mm. go down, again, hope they don't, I don't think he'll be staying there for long because he's a player that's really impressed for the last few seasons. Um, and I think the last talking point on this game, Jordan Pickford. Now, talking of Madison, <laughs> incredible performance, shocking penalty. Absolutely shocking yes. penalty. Um, but what blew my mind the most about this is that people's minds were blown that yeah, I know. that football teams did research. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then there was, I saw loads of people being like, Jordan Pickford research it. Jordan Pickford does not research it. There is someone paid to yeah. research that. Don't worry about it. But how unsurprised were you by this? And also people said it should be banned. You should, I, I, should be Yeah, I was... It. I was going to say this Jamie O'Hara and it's <sighs> typical. As soon as I mention that word, we know he's yeah. just talking bullshit again. Um, but he came out with the stance of that somehow this is a form of cheating and we shouldn't give goalkeepers the opportunity to able to see where a striker or op- opposition players are going to place a penalty, which I thought, well, I'm sorry, but they're not allowed to get, come off their line they're not allowed to do certain things when it comes to penalty situations. So they have to use anything to their advantage, given the circumstances as well, that, you know, this is a big six pointer in terms of a game. You would take anything to get an edge over the opposition. Now he did that. He took advantage. He wasn't breaking any rules. So therefore he's done nothing wrong. And ultimately the other thing is if you're a good penalty taker, you won't necessarily always stick to the same places because you'll get sussed out. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. that's what happens. And, yeah. you know, as much as we talk about it being a poor penalty, I think nine times out of 10, if Pickford doesn't have that analysis, it probably will end up yeah. in the back of the yeah, net. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, I don't think it's a form of cheating, you know. No, I just think... Madison how... could have put it in the other corner and nothing would yeah. be said about this, right? Yeah, exactly. I think how stacked in the, in the striker's odds do you want a penalty to be it's already like a 70 percent chance of it going in like you said goalkeeper can't come off the line next it will be like tie the hands behind the backs like how stacked <laughs> in their favor yeah how stacked in their favor do you want it to be so um i did enjoy jordan pickford it was a ballsy move at two one down to give mm. it like the ooh to the left yeah. like, that could really that could come back, back to you yes. yeah so he's got i hope he personally thanked the Wobie a lot because he could have made him look like a bit of an idiot giving that celebration when you're two one down it could but, still be a video in it though there could still be a video that's at the end very of the true that's the thing that's, i'm pretty sure there's liverpool fans working on it already, They've already got <laughs> it, getting it drafted but i think for both those teams it's kind of it's not helpful for either of them really is it no. and i think no. this is why it was such a good game because both teams really wanted to win it. Both teams really went for it. The last 10, 20 minutes was absolute chaos. Um, It was just end-to-end, just anything, throwing the kitchen sink at it. Really, 
just what you want to see in a, in a relegation battle. I was afraid it'd be quite cagey and like, right, take the point and run, but it wasn't at all. No. But for both teams, kind of leaves them, well, where they were, really. Um, so Everton now in 19th on 29 points. Forest 18 on 30. Leeds 17 on 30. And Leicester 16 on 30. Bit of a gap to West Ham in 15th on 34. So it looks like it's going to be those teams, really. Um, and yeah, that point not doing anybody any favours. But we're going to leave that game there, I think, um, with the relegation battle. Before we do our weekend preview, we'll do a bit more of that. But we do need to talk about the big news. We've made you wait long enough, guys. We've talked about managers turning up and fucking shit up. Are we ready for... It's a big job for Big Sam. Sam Allardyce (laughs) rides in four games to save Leeds' Premier League lives. Apparently a seven-figure bonus if he keeps them in the job. Mm. Um, Javi Grazia... How little we knew you. You had a very good start, then a very bad yeah, end. Terrible end. Um, how do you feel about Big Sam coming in? It feels like there's zero pressure on him here. Zero pressure, but probably big pressure to make sure he doesn't have relegation on his CV by the mm-hmm. end of it as well. Um, it's interesting the kind of take in terms of his approach so far. So putting a lot of pressure on him, saying. You know, Pep is not big. Uh, neither is Klopp. Neither none of them is, is big as none of them, yeah, No yeah. one's big as him. Um, so that's just typical of Big Sam. But I do worry that he hasn't got the type of personnel to get him out of this. It's a big ask. I could see him, though, surprisingly, maybe getting a result, shock result at Man City this weekend. I, think <laughs> I need yeah. it. I need it. I need it, funny. honestly. Um, but I... I it's going to be a tall ask, tall ask, because you've got a side that can't defend, but they're not scoring goals as well at the same time. Yeah. They're not scoring enough goals. Um, and I, this is the thing. You're going from a philosophy 12 months ago where it was Bielsa. Then, obviously, we got the Americans come through. So, um, yeah, I've forgotten his name now. It's Jesse Marsh. Mind. Jesse Marsh. And then we moved on to Xavi Garcia, Gracia, even. And... Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like there's been a strategic thinking around what they were going to do going forward. And this is the last roll of the dice. There's nothing on the table left now. They've just got to pray and hope that Big Sam can do something pragmatically and get results. Um, if you're going to call on someone, Big Sam's your man. That's all I can say. Um, he's he's the best that you can get. I don't know if Rafa Benitez was up for it, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the only one it- else I could afford. It does feel like, yeah, it is definitely the last roll of the dice. And I feel like Leeds have kind of slept walked into or sleepwalked yeah. into this. Like, yeah. I think I read a fantastic piece from Phil Hay, who does, he's the athletic mm, correspondent for yeah. Leeds. And he was talking about how basically it feels like the board had that one good season in the Premier League and just thought, oh, we've cracked it. And then didn't mm. really change anything, didn't really, they just kind of thought, oh, we'll just keep doing what we're doing and everything will be fine. Yeah. And obviously in the Premier League, if you stand still, you're getting left behind very, very quickly. And I think what they needed to be doing was looking at their recruitment. A lot of that team and a lot of the better performers in that team at the moment Mm. are still the players that got them promoted, like Bamford and Luke Ayling and like, you know, these Melier, like these these players, a lot of that is still the championship squad that that Bielsa Mm. took over. Like, and it feels like there's just there's not been enough like um refreshment but then you look at that and you go well okay look at their signings and they've signed a lot of players they've spent mm. a lot of money and very few of them have worked so this rutner 
or Rotter deal looks absolutely atrocious. 36 million, <laughs> barely getting a sniff of the pitch, not had a goal and an assist yet. Um, I think, did they get Warbur as well, who's not exactly been like mm. setting the world on fire? Like, there's a lot of yeah. the um, Aronson, he does a lot of tricks, he's entertaining yeah. to watch, but not much output. Um, I think one of the few signings they've made that's worked has been one of the cheaper ones, which is Nyonto for four and a half yeah. million. When you look at that, that's insane. Mm-hmm. But then under Grazia, he wasn't getting on the pitch. Um, no. And for God knows what reason. I have no idea what Nyonto's done to not get onto the pitch apart from being Leeds' best player this year. Um, so it just feels like the money they have spent has been completely misallocated everywhere. Mm-hmm. And this leads on to the next thing that's happened. Victor Orta has been fi- has been fired. Yes. So their their sporting director, director of football, yeah. the guy who's basically been doing their transfers for however long. He's the guy who brought in Bielsa. He's now been fired. Now I didn't realize again. I've been reading a bit more about Leeds recently. How divisive a character he was at Ellen mm. Road. A lot of the fans absolutely despised him and <laughs> wanted him to leave very quickly. Now I know that he was at Middlesbrough as well with the Spanish Karenka. manager they had. Um, sorry. Karanka. Karanka. Yeah, and the Middlesbrough fans didn't like him either. I know that he didn't no. last very long at Middlesbrough. Um, so it feels like it's all kind of fallen apart at Leeds at the mm. moment, and they need this. Well, the Americans are going to have a hell of a job on their hands turning around whatever state they have at the end of this season. But to yeah. go from Alla- to go from Bielsa to Allardyce in a year kind of shows you, like we thought Everton didn't have a clue. We thought... Chelsea didn't have a plan like that. Yeah. That is a whole. Just when you think you've seen the worst plan in the Premier League, <laughs> yeah. I think Leeds have come up with a new one, right? Yeah, they have. They have. They've completely gone like against grain. And as you alluded to nicely, they've just kind of thought they'd cracked this, and that's it. That that's all they had to do. And I think the other interesting point was he also brought in certain types of players, right? There were certain players that he bought. Now, whether you agreed with his philosophy of play, because it was frustrating to watch as a neutral <laughs> yeah. sometimes. Um, yeah. Stop still man managed... marking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they were still fighting for the shirt. Even when they were like 5-0 down, they were still persistent. They still had the star. Whereas now, when they are like even 1-0 down, they just fall apart. They completely yeah, yeah. fall apart. I bet you, if you compare the fitness levels as well, I know that was another critical point of Bielsa that he works them too hard. But I bet you that level has gone down massively because they're not doing the same amount of running. Bamford looks short of confidence at the moment up top. Um, Melia, who in goal, I've never really liked the guy, I'm afraid. Um, I just keep saying to myself, he's very young. He's very young. Yeah, I think this is the problem. That How long does that carry on until you kind of go, he was another problem? Like, I think yeah, he's yeah. another player that is short of confidence, not helped by the defence in front of him. Well, he's used definitely. to conceding goals, right, against with Bielsa, but he's probably <laughs> assuming there'll be the odd game where he doesn't have to pick up the ball out of the net. And unfortunately, it's every week for him. And yeah, yeah. yeah he's just short of it. So, yeah, like we said, um, Sam Allardyce brought in. Wouldn't surprise me if you see Askelainen comes into this team um, or someone like that. <laughs> get, get him then, in. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see what happens. But um, yeah, this is literally last roll of dice, but I think it might be too late. Well, before we leave Leeds, just to give you a taste of their next four, their last four fixtures are so (laughs) horrible. I'm just looking at them. It's so grim. They've got Man City away on Saturday, of course. They've got Newcastle at home, West Ham away, and then Tottenham at home. 
Now, the only good thing is if, you know, they need a 6-0 win, I'm sure Tottenham will be more than obliging. <laughs> more than obliging. Them. So they, there is always hope, these fans. There's always hope. There is. Always hope. Um, but we're going to leave it there, and we're going to go for someone born in Leeds. There's always a link. Yes. There's always yeah. a link. Born in Leeds, now tearing up the Premier League. Haaland, Haaland, Haaland. Now that's 35 goals in the Premier League this year, um, breaking Alan Shearer's record. Um, I'm not going to ask how surprised we are. Of course, we're not surprised. We knew the guy was going to smash records. We knew everybody with half a brain knew that he was going to turn up and do this. Um, But my hot take, maybe Mm. a a slightly warm take, I'm not going to say hot take, is (laughs) that... If City go on and do the treble, if they do win the Champions League, if they do win the Premier League and the FA Cup, which I think they're going to, Holland has to get the Ballon d'Or, right? I mean, it would be tough not to argue him being in contention for it. Mm. Um, I, I think when I I naturally assume someone to be a Ballon d'Or contender, I think about what brilliance he contributed during that season. I think that season when Lewandowski had that incredible season during lockdown and never got the awards. And they just didn't it was all about it was all yeah. about the fact that he broke the record and he scored the goals. Again, you have to hand it to Haaland and I feel like he set an incredible pedestal that means that next season if he doesn't have the same star or like get the same level of goal contribution, he's going to be slated for no reason at all because yeah. That's the problem we've got going forward because of the generational fans that we've got on yeah, Twitter, yeah, for example. Yeah, yeah, However, yeah, yeah there's, there is, I mean, there's very few players out there that you can argue has had as incredible season as him, for example. Um, I can only think of a handful of players that I think stand a good chance of maybe displacing him, the likes of Kvara, potentially, yeah, because yeah, he's yeah, been yeah. incredible. Yeah. I know it's been a bit found out of late, but, you know, Haaland's had some quiet games, let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Um, Osserman, again, is good, good shout for mm-hmm. contender. Uh, Lewandowski, again, having a fantastic season at Barcelona, despite what, again, the Twitter brigade are banging yeah. on about with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so there's very few players out there that I think could, you know, challenge him. And I, I, I believe if you put Lewandowski and say he deserved the Ballon d'Or that particular year, mm-hmm. then Haaland deserves it as well. Yeah. It's just been, it's, it's honestly like, I know everything's been said about him, but just watching him is just, he's an absolute freak. <laughs> he's just an absolute freak. That goal against, like his goal against West Ham to break the record, he was miles away from goal, like yeah. miles away from goal. He was kept on side, but the second the ball left, I can't remember who got the assist, but the second it left their foot, you were like, oh, Holland scored. That's and he it. still had a hell of a way to go, but mm. his pace... And the finish was just absolutely beautiful. And you're like, okay, this guy's, he's going to break every record going. Like, Harry Kane better hit up some numbers because if Haaland sticks in the Premier League for a year, (laughs) that record could be gone pretty soon. Like, if he sticks around for a bit, like, he's going to put up some stupid numbers. This is his first season in the Premier League. And if you think Man City aren't now tailoring everything around him, Like every signing now is going to be right. How, yeah, but how does that affect him? Yeah. They are going to be maximizing everything out of him. So it's an incredible start for him. 
If it wasn't against Arsenal, I'd be a bit happier about seeing how good <laughs> yeah. the guy is because it's a little bit galling. And I think I said it months ago, what will stop Arsenal winning the league is the fact that Man City have Haaland and we don't. Um, yeah. And I think that's kind of been the difference, really. Um, but incredible record for him. Congratulations, Erling. Um, we're going to very, very, very quickly, last, very quickly, last thing on the Premier League. Um, mm-hmm. Fulham, absolutely shafted by VAR. I cannot believe this. I think Tom Kearney came out in an interview after the game and said that the referee in the second half said that it hadn't. It said that it wasn't a penalty. So he, the referee mm. said he thought it wasn't a penalty. The guys at VAR said it was, so he gave it. Basically, we need what Lee Gurn have been doing and start putting mics on refs so we can hear what the hell's going on, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so I think that's the problem we've got is that VAR is controlling these situations and it's not necessarily what the referee thinks. I mean, yeah, you, you've seen the replays and if you haven't, I implore you to watch it. It's a terrible decision. I don't know how they've come to that conclusion. It's a penalty. I wonder if the effects of the previous weekend where Klopp is having a go at the fourth official has rubbed off potentially. Um, that wasn't pleasant to see from Klopp and we know Klopp has an attitude when it comes to these certain situations as well. So potentially that's played a part. I think that I feel that's probably the reason why that was given. Um, but yeah, it's a terrible decision. And yeah, you've got to feel sorry for Fulham. A very terrible it, decision. Like a, a point they fully deserve just taken yeah. from them. Like it is incredibly frustrating. And I, I, I see why, you know, friends of the show, Tom supports West Ham and he always goes on about how the big six clubs always mm. do get the decisions. And then you yeah. look at things like this, you're like, yeah, you just, it, it's hard to yeah. argue against it. Like it exactly. really is hard to argue against it. If that was a, um, a Liverpool defender and the Fulham striker, I don't think it gets given just as simple as that. Um, so absolutely shocking for Fulham. Still a very good season for them, but doesn't make it any less galling. Mm. Um, we're going to leave the Premier League there for now. I think at the moment, um, I'm just checking the score. It is still nil-nil between Manchester United and Brighton, I believe. Yeah, well, that's been a classic. Um, so <laughs> we are going to leave the Premier League there and we're going to go to Serie A right after this. And it is time, finally, guys. The <laughs> final whistle has blown in Udine from Naples to Udine, possibly the furthest journey in Serie A beyond Lecce. But I'm delighted to say Napoli have done it. They have officially won the Scudetto. They are Campioni d'Italia, and I could not be happier for them and Luciano Spalletti. As the story comes through, Adam, first reactions Napoli have done it. Yeah, it's taken a while. <laughs> we thought it would happen a few weeks ago, um, especially after that Juventus game. Um, there's maybe something written in the stars because this was Spalletti's initial first kind of breeding ground to becoming a coach. He started off at Udinese, for example. Mm-hmm. And there was obviously the connections also of the sporting director at, I believe, Udinese, who was part of the Napoli team that last won the Scudetto as well. So... A lot of uh, vibes going into this match. Certainly, it felt like it was written in stars. And uh, yeah, they've done it. They've done it. They're well-deserved. 
what can we say? There's been superlatives during the course of this season. We could talk about the squad all day long, um, but I'm glad they've managed to do it. That's the most important thing mm. because I think we've been saying it for weeks. It's nice to have seen the fourth different champion in the last five seasons now. Like our it's champion incredible. the four. Four it, different winners. Four. Four. Exactly, exactly. And it, it, it's great for players like Farad Skelia, Ossiman, you know, these players that have worked so hard tirelessly this season. They've torn play, uh, teams apart, you know, and I appreciate in the latter stage of this season, they've got a bit found out. They've made Maybe it a little Spalletti. bit more difficult for himself. Spalletti's probably <laughs> stuck to that philosophy for a reason because mm-hmm. he knew it was on the cards, but they've pulled off some magnificent results. Um, and yeah, there's nothing more I can say, Rory. I mean, mm. what, what's been the highlight for you personally about this Napoli kind of victorious run to the Scudetto? I've really loved, like, obviously, Cavada, Osimen, Spalletti, like, Anguissa, all these players, like yeah. the players they brought in. But what I've really loved as well is that the players that were there, that Spalletti's mm. improved. So players like Lobotka and Mario Rui and like yeah. um, Di Lorenzo. And these are players that were good. Lobotka was, well, Lobotka never got a game, right? He was like yeah. never playing just on the bench the whole time. But Spalletti's come in and he's looked at the squad and he's seen how he can get the best out of those players and added the quality that's needed. But I really love that Lobotka is now, he he could be down for like Serie A midfielder of the year, really. Mm. Um I think only Barella and possibly, but I think Lobotka has been more consistent across yeah, the season. Um, and that's like bringing this player from a bench warmer to a key, mm. key element of this team. It just shows how good, how good a coach Spalletti is. The same with Mario Rui and Di Lorenzo, mm. who have both been like, their output has been incredible defensively. They've been yeah. amazing, but they're both hitting pretty big numbers on assists and goals as well, yes. like for wingbacks. And I feel like it's just the improvement he's had in the players that were already there. Cause it was a Napoli squad that were just always the nearly men. Right. And recovering mm. from a summer where we've talked about it, but your club captain go in your club icon go in like, and then for it to get better, it just shows yeah. how how clear an idea Spalletti had in his head and how able, how able he was to execute it. It's just incredible. And for the city of, of Naples, my dad has just messaged me, just messaged me. He's booked his flights to Naples. He's got the flat. He's he had going. it on Flexi, kind of. He had the dates. Right. And he's like, okay, I've booked the flights. So he's going to be there for the last weekend of the season so we can see the, the bus parade or whatever it is. I'm wow. going to try and join him. But um, for the city, it's just huge. It's honestly, mm. I think I can hear it from here. Like, it is going to be <laughs> absolutely massive. I can't wait to get on Twitter and see the videos of, of Napoli exploding because it just, as I said before, it just means more in that city. It just means mm. more. Um, the first one in 30 years, incredible. Absolutely yes. incredible. I couldn't be happier for them or Spalletti, but they did it with a one-all draw against Udinese. They made it difficult for themselves. Lovrich scored an absolute banger. Mm. Um, again, you thought, oh, for God's sake, Napoli, just get <laughs> it done. Just get it done. Like, you ruined it at home. But then Osimen, of course it was. Of course it was Osimen. Um, Fired in from a corner as it fell to him. Beautiful finish into the top of the net. And I kind of expected them to go on and, and get a winner, I'll be honest. Mm. Um, but why bother? It's done now. And the party starts here, I yes. suppose. And they said there was 10,000 people traveled from Naples up to Udinese. Wow. So not only the people who were in the stadium, but the whole stadium was surrounded by Napoli fans. Um, there was a meme I saw earlier, which was like the um, uh, the police chief in Udinese reacting to the headline of like, 
Napoli fans say they'll celebrate in Udinese. And it's just like, <laughs> um, it's going to be a big night in Udinese and Naples tonight. So fantastic news. Towards the end of the season, in our season review, we'll do a properly in-depth mm, thing definitely. about Napoli and about how much we've absolutely loved them and their mm. greatest moments. But for now, Auguri, uh, Patanope, Auguri, congratulations on your Scudetto. Incredible, incredible mm. stuff. Who's going to win it? Who's going to win it next year? Are we going to get the fifth one? Are we going to get the fifth one next Whoa. year? Can we go Can for five? Imagine. Let's go Let's first. Sh- do we do say you Roma? Roma? Oh, Just- Mourinho delivers it. Why yes. Not? Why not? Why not? That we need cool. it. We need it. We need it. Let's go for it. So elsewhere in Serie A, um, there were some other games. Um, yes. The race for the top four is heating up very, very mm. quickly. And Inter are making a real run at it. So Verona um, kind of revived recently, yes. hitting a bit yeah. of form. Um, Inter, I think they've absolutely, they're doing a bit of a pep. They're hitting form at the perfect time of the season. Has Inzaghi been a genius all along? I don't know if he's been a genius all <laughs> along, but he's certainly been a genius in the last, what is it, called six or so games so far. Because mm-hmm. um, ever since that kind of draw against Benfica where they galvanised themselves just to get themselves through, um, they've just been on this incredible run. And that includes the Coppa Italia where they managed to uh, see out Juventus and Allegri ball. Um, but I think the most impressive kind of result was lo- over the weekend, shall we say. So against Lazio, 1-0 down, and it did feel like, okay, this is going to be quite testing. But they comprehensively brush aside mm-hmm. Lazio, who have been really good up until this stage. They've been wobbling of late, um, and it does feel a bit of a worry for Lazio fans because they felt they were in prime position, essentially, to nail down yeah. that second spot. Um, but now it's blown up because we're not just talking about Inter here. We're talking about also Atalanta and I'm sure we'll go on to it, but they're now in contention of the top four now. And Mm -hmm. that really does make it quite exciting. I think this is the most open kind of, again, top four race across Europe, because when you think about it, most leagues now it's just top two, maybe if you're lucky. Um, But now we've got a real race on for this Mm -hmm. kind of top four finish. And, uh, yeah, I'm loving the fact that we've got so much variation and um, probably helped by the fact that, like we say, Inter bought in this form. Incredible to see Lula, kind of that combination seeming seemingly anyway working. Um, but it's not just them. It's just the fact that they seem to be a lot more confident. They know what they're doing. And it all stems through that confidence in the middle of the park as well. So maybe Inzaghi is out there on a mission maybe to grab something by the end of it, whether that be the position or whether that be the Champions League. We've alluded to it already a few times. I can feel it coming, you know. I but can, just can, you, feel I it can see this happening. If he gets the Champions League, I can see him resigning and saying, that's it, boys. That, that's Is he going to do Mourinho on the night? Just yes. drive straight yeah. to Real Madrid. Real Madrid are looking for a coach. He'll just drive straight He'll to Real Madrid. He'll hug Bastoni. Bastoni will cry in his arms <laughs> and then he'll just drive off in the Run distance. Run it back. Right. I'm pretty sure Inter fans would bite your hands off for that now. They would bite <laughs> your hands off for that right now. Um, but I, what I like about this Inter run of form is that it feels like Inzaghi's kind of rotating a little bit more. It feels like he's yes, bringing in yeah. players like Bellanova and giving them a go and kind of mm. moving that midfield around a little bit more, not relying on players so heavily and just giving players a break. And I think yeah. for someone like Brozovic, obviously against Verona, he got two assists, right? You've got Chalanoglu with a goal. Like just giving these players 
a minute to rest, give them a game, bring someone mm. else in and just trust your squad a bit more. And I feel like it's really helped lead to this um, improvement in form for Inter. But as you said, they're now four four wins in a row and they've conceded one goal in that time. Um, and as you said, that was against Lazio. It's an incredible run. Um, and it's all shaping up for the, everything is through the lens of that Milan derby now, right? Mm. Everything is through the yeah. lens of that. Everything that happens is you're with that in mind. Um, and I think Inter are just coming into this in great form. And Martinez, he got two goals here, two against Lazio. Um, I'm just looking at his run. He also scored against... Um, did he score against Juventus? No, Lukaku scored against Juventus. No, DeMarco no. scored against Juventus. And he got one against Empoli as well. So, like, five goals in his last four games? That's not no. bad. Like, really, it's really hitting good. some good form. So, good timing. For Inter, for Verona, is that just a bit of an anomaly, just facing the wrong team yeah. at the wrong time? Uh, probably you wouldn't have expected them to steamroll this easily. Probably not helped also being that the first goal was an own goal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that probably set the tone a bit. Um, I uh, Yeah, just unfortunate on this occasion, but they're still within a chance, Rory, of potentially pulling themselves out of it. Helped by the fact that Spezia were terrible against Atalanta. Um, so yes, uh, I think that also plays a part. And Lecce, I know they got the win the other week or over the weekend even, but they mm-hmm. lost against Juventus midweek, so they lost two one, and that pulls them into it as well. Um, Empoli is another team that played tonight. They won against Bologna in a shock three one win. That's enough to probably keep them clear of that pack as well. So yeah, Hellas Verona still have a chance though. I think they could do it. I think they've got enough in them to stay up. But there's other teams around there I'm more worried about, I think. Mm. But we're going to go to the other side of Milan. And um, you kind of hinted at it there. Cremonese, just honestly, I think they should have about five or six wins this year. I think they should <laughs> yeah. really be kind of safe. I think I will die on the hill that they are not the worst <laughs> team in Serie A this year. And they're not even close to the second worst team in Serie A this year. I think no. their performances are always just... You're missing that one thing, that one moment. They get a 93rd minute goal against Milan and they mm. still endeavour to throw it away with a 99th minute goal from Junior Macias, a red yes. card. It all kind of kicked off at the end. Yeah. But for Milan, their form, if you compare it to Inter's, is a lot less inspiring. Um, they're drawing a lot of games at the minute. So in their last eight games, I think it is, they've now drawn... So they've drawn one, two, three, four, five games of their last eight, but they've also not lost. Mm. So you're thinking, okay, you're not losing games, but you're not able to see games out. And also, they're not scoring a lot of goals. Uh, The last time they scored more than one goal was against Lecce. Before that, it was the 4-0 win against Napoli at the beginning of April. So Mm. goals has become a real issue for them. Um, How do you feel about this Milan team at the moment? Again, heading into a big weekend... And then the derby. Almost feels like with Milan, you don't write them off because despite mm-hmm. what we're saying, purely can pull something out of the bag. There's too many times this season where I've written them off and felt like is purely the right man for it, this club as well. But I do genuinely feel like he will turn this around. Obviously, he's coming into this weekend where they play Lazio. So a big opportunity to at least get a win on the board. They're at home. And then that sets them up for the derby in the Champions League. And they've obviously got the first leg being all Milan in that sense. So that might help them out 
Um, they'll obviously want to at least try and edge the first leg, um, but it's going to be t- quite tight. And then I was looking at their fixture list. Obviously, on paper, it looks quite favourable because after the Champions League match, they've got Spezia away. Appreciate that's not a huge amount of distance. Then they're home to Sampdoria after they play the second leg of the Champions League match. Then they're away to Juventus before they take on Hellas Verona last day of the season. So potentially this could be quite squeaky bum time for them because obviously if they have a few bad results in between that kind of run, then they could be going into that last game where Hellas Verona need to win as well. So that is not a position you want to be in. All those teams they're playing are fighting, right? All those yeah, teams are fighting yeah, yeah. for something. For different reason, yeah. I think, like, uh, beyond Sampdoria, maybe, but I think... Yeah, of course, like, yeah. But I think, especially in Sampdoria, you would expect them to win. That Juve game is going to be absolutely monumental. That's yes, going to be massive. Huge. Juve have got a bit between their teeth. They've been terrible, but they really have a point mm. to prove. Um, and, yeah, as you said, Verona last game of the season, I think that could be a tricky one. But I feel like Milan, they're just not getting it felt like it was really clicking, right? I just feel like they go through these massive waves where they got that 4-0 win against Napoli and it was like they were on this huge run and everyone was scoring. It was great fun. Salamakers turned into prime Maradona and you're like, oh my God, (laughs) right, he's finally cracked it. And then all of a sudden it kind of flattens out again. And you've just got to hope that they've got another another wave coming for them to for them to finish on a high because they're going to need all the momentum um, against Inter because I think... We're going to talk about it a lot until the games are done, but I think Inter are, are super, super wily. They're very like yeah. cunning, and I've like Milan yeah. have got that like the clinicalness and the ability to kind of see games out. But I think Inter have just got that that je ne sais quoi. I don't know how you say it in Italian of like just that unquantifiable thing that means they can still do it. So I think they yeah. really need to have all the momentum behind them, but that result against Cremonese, at least getting a last-minute equaliser makes it kind of feel like a bit of a win, if you know what mm. I mean. If, you, if you're if you staring down at a 1-0 draw, a 1-0 loss, then you're thinking, okay, at least yeah, we got out of here with Summit. Let's just forget it, move on to the next game. But speaking of the teams down there and the, games, the teams that are struggling, one team has found themselves completely safe. And I need to say personally to them, Thank you very much, because your safety now means that you have bought Pablo Mari from us for six million. <laughs> Bye, Pablo. It was a pleasure. Enjoy Monza. Um, Monza are safe. We've kind of talked a little bit, but an incredibly comfortable season for them in their first year back. In the end, certainly has been. I think at the beginning of the season, didn't look like it was going no. that way, Roy. <laughs> no, um, that's true. But that, that, but that is credit to Palladino, who they brought in. They realised their issue, and I think there was some interesting kind of like hype around him because obviously, yeah, being this kind of forward thinking coach, um, he's bought a style of football that has got them wins more importantly. Um, But he's got the best out of the players that they bought in as well. Because if you remember that beginning of the season, they didn't seem to find the right strategy for the players they bought in. Certain players were left out. Um, Still, you know, to this day, I'm surprised that Kragnor has not had more of a kind of run in this squad. But then the Greco Guerrero has had a very good season overall. Um, they've been exciting in bits. And I think the fact that they've managed to pull off some big wins against the likes of Juventus, you know, Milan, for example, mm-hmm. even Inter, you know, they've brought it in this kind of attitude to these games and i feel like this is something for them to build on now that that was probably the aspiration for this season just stay in a league do what it takes um but next season they can certainly build on this um 
And, you know, they've got some really good players in that squad. When you think about Ravella, for example, Pessina. Pessina. It'll be interesting well, about Ro- yeah. Ravella as well, whether he stays on, whether he goes back to Juventus, for example. Mm. Um, but even if we forget about that, Danny Motta of late has yeah, been in incredible yeah, yeah, form yeah. as well. So they've got some really good players in there that they can build on, a few astute signings, then potentially you never know what they could do. Um, that's yeah. all I could say. But look forward to the next season. I think if they can just add a little bit more quality, I think they've been lacking a few departments here and there. Mm-hmm. Defence mainly, should we say. But then also up top, I think they've just missed someone that can be the kind of clinical upfront forward striker. Patania, I don't think is the answer. Yeah, yeah. For example, <laughs> As much but, as we love yeah. him, as much as we yeah. love him, I don't think he's a long-term answer. But for Monza, it's been an exciting project for a, a while, right? The second Silvio and Galliani take over, you know that a club's going to go somewhere, right? They're not yes. going to stop until it does. Exactly. So it's an exciting project there. There's going to be plenty of money for Serie A standards, I'm sure. Yes. So yeah, yeah. this is a kind of a good solid start for them. Just don't do a Leeds Monza. You've not cracked it yet. <laughs> You've not cracked it yet. Keep going. Keep going. Um, we're going to leave Monza there, and yeah. we're going to very quickly just do a bit of a roundup around Serie A. I wanted to talk about an absolutely mental game um, in Sal- in Salerno, um, Salerno as yeah. Salerno th- Salerno Salernitana three. Fiorentina three and I wanted to talk about Bulai Dia he got a hat trick so not only did he break hearts in Napoli at the weekend before (laughs) he's now bagged a hat trick against uh, against Fiorentina that now gives him 15 goals and six assists in 30 appearances for for Salernitana now if you look at how many goals they've scored this season I'm just going to look very quickly they have scored um 41 goals so we scored mm. uh, as quick maths about twenty five percent. No, yeah, about twenty five thirty percent of their goals yeah. this season, right? Um, maybe more than that. Incredible for a player on loan from Villarreal. I do feel like Salernitana probably can't afford him next season now. But no. do you expect to see him pop up in Serie A? I think a and this was a question I was going to pose to you is I could see a top six club essentially go in for him uh i you know the composure that he's got and he seems to have this just a skill about him but maturity he's so wise um in front of goal he just looks a completely different player to what was potentially what was seen at Villarreal. so mm-hmm. i feel like there's someone there that could certainly if he comes off the bench he could offer you something but also more importantly if you need him to do a job, then he can do that. He can give you goals. Um, so, yeah, I, I can definitely see a lot of clubs being in for him. It'll be a shame for selling Atana, but we also have to talk about Solsa again. Incredible run. And I was looking at it. So they are now the second longest unbeaten team in Europe right now. <laughs> Which Nobody's is talking about it. Like, Nobody's we, talking about it. We did. It I think we should yeah. give ourselves yeah, a pat did. on the back because we, we did. did say this we a week ago. We said yeah, yeah. Salonatana, they've been incredible, unbeaten since February, basically. And this is incredible that they've just carried on with this. But like Salsa, again, neither of us kind of expected him no. to get this out of this squad, especially when you think about the backdrop of David Nicola and how he caught himself rehired and then had a bonfire yeah. as well since then. And then you're thinking, so Sosa didn't have time to really change the team up. He's had to stick with the majority of the team, which includes Piontek, who isn't on form at the moment. Um, 
And yeah, just incredible that he's getting these performances. I think the other element is Ochoa in goal. He's been incredible. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah, for yeah. 38 year olds as well. Such like, a this clever is signing, honestly. Such a clever signing. We said when he came in, we were like, this could be honestly a stroke of genius. We know that this guy's always sick at World Cups, but we never see him anywhere else. Yeah. And he is just a very good goalkeeper. He just, even against Napoli, he pulled off some great saves. And you're like, yeah, you just, your defenders aren't panicking every time someone has a shot. They're not yeah. like they're not chucking a leg out at every shot because I think oh he can probably get that if you know what I mean it just mm-hmm. gives so much assurance I think that's such a clever signing and like Souza he's a he's a manager that like people tell me he's good I don't actually know that much about him if you know what I mean I know he was at Poland yeah. for a very short while before he, he was off, and right? I like yeah. I appreciated the football if that makes sense but yeah, I think yeah. there was a lot of question marks about his temperaments what he was actually doing with the players coaching wise mm-hmm. as well like. And I think there was a little bit, maybe that was the time where he went to Flamengo, left the Poland national side really in a strange position because we were waiting to take on that playoff game against Sweden. And then he suddenly just left, which left us with Mikhnevich ball. So I suppose we've got to thank him for that. Um, For the the quarterfinals. But yeah, I think obviously he got dropped very quickly at Flamengo. Six months didn't last very long. And Mm -hmm. this was the last chance for Saloon, I think. That was, you know, if he doesn't make a good run out of this team and, you know, show his worth, then he was probably going to go on a heap. He'll probably be like an assistant manager to someone. So fair play to him. He's turned it round. He's making them really attractive. I think they can push on. I really genuinely feel they can push on this next season. I feel like the signings they've made have been quite progressive. If you know what I mean, yes. like signings like Dia and Ochoa. I know Ochoa's yeah. a thirty-eight-year-old goalkeeper, but Still. it's it's that up of level, right? It's, it's that you're not yeah. going for Serie B players that might have a good True. season. You're going for like you know Serie A quality players. Yeah, yeah. I think if they can keep up, if he's there next season, then there's every chance that he can push them to be like you know just not fighting relegation would be yeah. nice. I feel yeah. like I'd, I'd lose a bit of my love for Salernitana if they started being good because <laughs> I do like the chaos that they cause. But yeah. Um, yeah, they could really push on next season with him in charge. Um, so fingers crossed. Dia, I do think we could see him back in Serie A for mm. one of the top sides. I think Villarreal might now stick an extra five ten million on that price tag. Um, but I think he would be quite a good, um, mm. a, quite a good purchase for someone like Inter in that hole as the yeah. attacking midfielder deep line striker could be a good exciting player there only 26 years old as well mm. kind of coming into his peak a hell a hell of a season for him mm. 15 goals in a team that have been largely crap is really <laughs> really <laughs> impressive and it's Salah it's so as well <laughs> yeah and that finish against Napoli was absolutely banging as well so what a goal good work Bulai um Elsewhere in Serie A, the last one we wanted to talk about, I think, or I'm going forwards in time, that's not going to help. Um, (laughs) Should we talk about, um, oh, Juve Lecce. Let's do Juve. What have we got to say about Juve, Adam? Uh, Well, I don't know if there's a lot to say about them, but it's just, I I kind of just wanted to talk about the comments of Legri and how he's starting Mm -hmm. to wind up a lot of, not just the teammates, but his general (laughs) supporter base as well. but the story is coming out. Obviously, Chiesa has basically leaked that. Um, well, it's not come directly from Chiesa, but it's been leaked that essentially Chiesa is not happy with Allegri and the, he, he's been deployed at the moment. Shock, Shock. horror, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Playing at right wing back. back probably has had enough <laughs> yeah. toll on him all season long. Uh, um, but Vlavic <laughs> is another one as well. So, yeah. Got I mean, it. Yeah. 
gutted for him, aren't we? Um, but he managed to put one against Lecce, which probably isn't saying much. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, do Juve, I think if we look at the record, one win in the last eight, I mean, it's not. Pretty they're not coming into the, they're not coming into this top four battle in inspiring form. Like no. they're really not looking like they're going to be. Like they're still third on sixty three points. They've got a three point cushion between them and Inter. They've got a five point cushion between them and Atalanta. But if we look at Juve's fixtures, so they've got um, Atalanta. They've got the Atalanta game this weekend. Then they've got Sevilla in the Europa League. Now, that's going to mm-hmm. be a hell of like you can't yeah. rest players there. That is taxing. Then they've got Cremonese at home, Empoli away, then Milan at home, Udinese away. So a lot of those games you would think should be winnable, but then you look at the games and the teams they've not beaten recently. So they drew against Bologna, they lost to Sassuolo, um, they only just beat Verona. Like a lot of the teams that you'd expect them to beat, they're not beating. So it doesn't seem mm-hmm. like any of those games are going to be a given. And I think all of this noise around Juventus at the minute, again, with Allegri. Now I saw, I think it was from the Italian football podcast, the Italian football podcast mm. um, with Carlo, Carlo Gagnese. Yeah. yeah, they were saying that, well, they were alluding to the fact that it was um, a player who went to Milan, then came back to Juve, but all the Juve players now fucking hate him and he yeah. hasn't played a single minute, that maybe he is leaking all of this information. Now, United fans, Arsenal fans, we will tell you that when there's a leak in the changing room, that usually means it's the last days really for the manager. And when there's a leak, so obvious. Um, Mm. But look, Juve need money, right? Juve are going to need money. And if suitors know that Chiesa and Vlaovic are not happy available there's mm. going to be a queue around the corner now i did see today and this will really piss off Juve fans and particularly carlo gaganese if you listen i saw aston villa linked to vlavic today which <laughs> would be absolutely brilliant now i think it's not necessarily a terrible move for dusan i'll be honest mm. i think it, like emery villa definitely going to push next year yes of course they are I think it could be a really big, really big move for him. I think just to see Serie A fans' reactions if Aston Villa by Flavich, I really want to see it just for the scenes on Twitter. Um, but you can already see that these, like, even if, even if these aren't genuine links, it's their agents putting the names out, right? It's really agents nice. going. So I think both of them could leave. Chiesa, I would. I would pay anything for that guy. Honestly, mm. I would be on the phone straight yes. away saying, "Juve, just give us a price," because that yeah. guy on the wing at Arsenal. Oh my days! I I would Can honestly die. That? It would be incredible. So I think there's going to be plenty of clubs after those two players. But for Juve, it is dark times, right? Because they mm. know that next year the punishment they've only kicked it down. They kicked the can down the road. It's yes. still coming, if you know what I mean. But for the immediate future. It just doesn't seem like a happy camp, does it? And Allegri no. hasn't really been able to turn this around. Do you expect them to get either Europa League and qualify that way? Or do you think they'll qualify through the league? Or do you think they'll miss out? I think the only way they can do it is Europa, personally, because on the form in the league, I don't, I don't really feel that they will do enough. But also, I think the other element is UEFA are going to kick in and say we're going to kick you out because it's about the second case as well. That's the huge yeah, yeah, one yeah. that has real big um, potential issues for them going forward because yeah. if they're being found to have illegally, you know, somehow weaved themselves away from paying wages, then that has huge consequences in terms of not just their league status, but potentially 
be run as a company. They could be folded if it if they wanted to. They could throw the book at them, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is huge, huge issues for Juventus. Unfortunately, it's caused by his systemic kind of abuses by the previous directors mm-hmm. um, who knew that what they were doing. Um, but yeah, going forward, it doesn't look too pretty. So yeah, potentially this summer looks like a chance for them to potentially just start doing some wholesale changes, selling players or getting rid of players like Paredes, etc. Mm-hmm. on high wages. And probably you've got a nice crop of youngsters that just need a few experienced heads amongst them and a coach that can play football. That, that's all we can yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah a coach that actually wants to, wants to play football, not just bore people to death would be nice exactly. at Juve, I suppose, because exactly. it's not been particularly fun. And as you said, a win against Lecce doesn't prove anything. Really, Lecce, we've been singing their praises about how hard they've been to beat this season, but they are definitely hitting bad form at the wrong, mm. wrong time. They really are struggling at the moment. But we're going to leave Serie A there for yeah. now, I think. I think that's everything we've kind of covered and just quickly sweeping through um, elsewhere. Atalanta beats Spezia 3-2. That's a big one. Um, put, as you mm-hmm. said, puts them in European contention. Lazio beating Sassuolo 2-0. And Empoli beating Bologna 3-1 tonight, which basically means that they're safe. Uh, Torino beats Sampdoria 2-0. I'm sorry, Sampdoria. Have fun in Serie B. We will be there. <laughs> we will see you. But we're going to take a very quick break, guys. Very quick, I promise. Yes. And we are going to preview this week's Premier League and Serie A action right after this break. My name is Massimo Morales, and you are listening to Anglo-Italian Podcast. It's the final part, guys. We promise it's the final part, and we're here to preview Premier League and Serie A action. We're going to start with the Premier League preview, I think. Let's do Premier League preview, and it all starts on Saturday, of course it does, mm. with a big, huge relegation battle in one of the first of the three o'clock kickoffs as Bournemouth take on Chelsea. Bournemouth in incredible form. Um, they've now won their four of their last five games. Chelsea, on the other hand, lost not won, won none of their last five games. I think Bournemouth get a fairly convincing win here that yeah. basically means they're safe. What do you think? Yeah, I could easily see this happening, to be fair. I think Bournemouth on the form that they've been displaying versus a Chelsea side that lack any ideas, lack any structure, as we alluded at the beginning of this show. Uh, I think it's going to be very easy for Gary O'Neill, who's done a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. Uh, It has to be credited because I don't think a lot of people, including ourselves, really fancy them to stay up based on how they performed at the early stages of this season anyway. Um, so fair and play. Scott Parker. Scott Parker Scott didn't Parker. even fancy Let's it. mention him. Yeah, he didn't fancy it after that 9-0 drubbing. Um, but yes, um, less said about that. Um, but yeah, fair play to them. They've done them magnificently to be that high up the table. I, I didn't expect them to be that high up. But yeah, maybe that's just, just the levels of Chelsea right now. They've just fallen off a cliff as well. So yes, <laughs> Good Easy time. win. Easy win. Um, at the same time, on Saturday, we have um, Leeds United visiting Manchester City. Of cool. course, this is Big Sam's first game in charge. Now, look, we need some prime Barclays here. We need the football gods to intervene. And we need <laughs> a shithouse win for Leeds here. I know it's not going to happen. I know it's the hope that kills you. But I'm just going to predict it. Leeds win. I'm going to say 2-1. I'm not going to say City don't score. 
That's ridiculous. So two <laughs> one leads. Adam, how do you see this one going? I'm just waiting. I've got my memes ready. We've got the Ooh. horny, horny Sam Allardyce one, or we've got Sam Allardyce dancing to Rihanna. So one of those two is going to be used. That's all I'm going to break it to our listenership. Uh, it could be one of those being utilised this weekend. So keep an eye. But yeah, I could easily see a draw. I think there could be a draw on the cards. I'd absolutely bite your hand off for that, honestly. Um, good. Next on the Saturday, we have a Midlands derby as Wolves take on Aston Villa. Now, Wolves, it looked like they were doing really well. Then all of a sudden, they weren't. They got slapped around a little bit. And Villa absolutely flying. They did lose their last game to mm. Manchester United 1-0. Very closely contested game. I feel like Villa could have got more out of that. Um, I'm expecting, though, I'm expecting a Villa win here at the Molyneux. How do you see it going, Adam? Well, I'm just having a look at the head-to-heads as well because I think that gives you a good indicator of how these two play. Um, it's pretty much stacked in favour of Wolves on the head-to-heads against these two, but there's been a lot of draws in this. I, I feel a draw is probably where I'm going with. Uh, Lopetegui, as you say, has managed to get a tune out of this squad up until recently, um, but I feel they've got enough quality in this team, mm. um, so I'm going to stick my head and say... One or draw against Una Emery's resurgent Villa, who uh, probably don't want to hear that because I think they're wanting three points here. They are still pushing for something. They are yeah. pushing for something. Uh, continuing the Saturday, we have Tottenham hosting Roy Hodgson's free-scoring Crystal Palace. This could be an interesting one again. Another team that looks completely lost, but at home maybe they'll be a little bit better. They did mm. manage to come back from 2-0 down against United at home. Maybe they can get that win that the uh, Spurs fans so desperately crave, but I think Palace aren't going to make it easy. The late yeah. kickoff on Saturday is Liverpool taking on Brentford. Um, Liverpool now won five in a row. It's kind of going under yeah, the radar. Yeah. That they're actually quietly getting shit done. Um, I'm really liking this Trent Alexander-Arnold midfield thing. I'm really enjoying it. I think it's good. He's yeah. doing well. Um, it looks like Liverpool could have a positive end to the season. Maybe nothing more than Europa League, I think. But do you see Brentford getting something here? I could see Brentford getting something here. I think the problem will be is just, like you say, the form of Liverpool right now, how they seem to be really strong at home. If this was the away game, mm. i.e. this was at Brentford's stadium, I think Brentford stand a better chance. But being that it's at Liverpool, I can see this being a 2-1 win for Liverpool, unfortunately. Very nice. And then moving on to the Sunday, we have... Oh, no. Oh, God. Yeah, moving on to the Sunday. Yes, Jesus it Christ. is Sunday, yeah. Oh, God. Um, we go back <laughs> to the scene of the crime where it all, it all <laughs> fell apart last year. The point in the All or Nothing mm. series where I just stopped watching. Um, I just, oh, this is nice. And then it ended. Um, yeah, we go back to St. James's Park. Obviously, a good win against Chelsea. It was made very, very, very easy for us. This game is not going to be made easy for us. It is so, 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 so key that we start off this game well, that we mm. do not let that stadium get loud because if it gets loud, it gets messy for us. Um, yeah. But I do do fancy us to get something here. Honestly, I'd take a draw right now. I would just... Yeah. And it says a lot about Newcastle and how well they're playing and how good a job Eddie Howe's done and the quality of that squad and the, the mm. attitude and atmosphere up there is all incredible. I would absolutely take a draw. How do you feel this one going? Yeah, I can understand why you're kind of reserved in terms of your assumptions for this match. Um, 
But I would say, and this is something we didn't mention when we were talking about the Chelsea matches, how Arteta was brave to change the personnel, mm-hmm. in particular Partey for Jorginho and yeah. Kivo in place of holding Kivo, proving that he's matured since that time that he's had under Arteta. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he demonstrates real good potential for Arsenal going forward. Um so I expect this to be quite an interesting game, certainly from that point of view. I think this could be a draw, personally. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a draw written over this. Um, potentially a goal-scoring one, though. So yeah. one all, one all. I'm feeling. Um, maybe I Newcastle think... take an early lead, but then you bring yourself back into it within a couple of minutes, and then it goes quite tight after that. See, I th- I think this could be an absolute goal fest. I also think this could be <laughs> like this could end up like three two four three four all. I think there could be just goals everywhere in this one because um, I think as good as uh, defensively as Newcastle have been of late, maybe the, there's been games where they mm. have lapsed and also have our problem has been defending, but we're still scoring lots of goals. Yes. So I think there could be lots of goals in this one. I'm terrified of Alexander Isak. I'm absolutely terrified of him. Mm. Um, and Callum Wilson, to be fair. But I think you're right with Kivio. Um, it, it was an easy night for him. It was a really easy night for him, but he yeah, dealt with it very, very well. And I think he has to start this weekend. He's mm. going to be the starting centre-back, I think, because he did, he did not put a foot wrong. So good to see. Hopefully, we just get the three points and run boys because I just (laughs) don't want to go there anymore um that is on at half past five on Sunday Central European time the late kickoff on Sunday only the two games we have the battle of the United West Ham taking on Manchester um and huge, huge for West Ham at the bottom. Mm-hmm. I think they've started to kind of pull themselves out of it a little bit. They're four points ahead of Forest Everton, uh, Forest Leeds and Leicester, um, but they've lost their last three games. It doesn't get any easier for them. Do you think they can upset United? United have just lost to Brighton 1 0 tonight. So, yeah, I, I think they've got enough within them to kind of pull out a result, a shock result here. And under the floodlights of that London stadium, who knows? Who knows what they could do? They could just need that bit of confidence before they go into that semi final against mm. AZ Alkmaar as well. Um, yes. So, yeah. I think if you look at the other fixtures they've got going forward, if they can win this, that probably eases off a bit of pressure um, because you look at it, they've got away to Brentford, then at home to Leeds and then away to Leicester. So some big games going ahead, especially if they are dragged into that mix still Mm -hmm. by that point. So a win would go a huge way. I can see Moyes kind of, you know, shutting up shop after they score an early goal through Bowen or someone like that. So, yeah, let's hope they score. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Good. Um, And on the Monday, I forgot Monday's a day off in the UK, isn't it, because of the uh, the celebration. (laughs) I was like, four o'clock on a Monday? What the hell has turned into the Coppa Italia? Um, But no, Fulham take on Leicester City. Um, Leicester just massively need a win. And then... Brighton against Everton, that is going to be a rough one for Everton. But the big game on Monday night, I will have finished work by this point. We will be recording, probably. Um, We have Nottingham Forest taking on Southampton. Um, We can't overestimate how massive a game that is. Um, Now, Southampton have got some big results this year. They've like not Mm -hmm. lost to Arsenal. They've beaten a lot of the top sides. But what they haven't done is beaten the teams around them. Do you Mm -hmm. think Forest will get something here? Their away form is... I know their home form is much better than their away form. Yeah, it does feel like if you um, can't control Morgan Gibbs-White, 
that seems to be their kind of impetus at the moment. Mm. So obviously we we know about Brendan Johnson, but he's been a bit hot and cold of late yeah, as yeah. well. So I suspect Steve Cooper is going to make sure that they take advantage in this game. Um, Southampton's huge ask. They have to turn out the form books and make sure that they're on top of it. They've got the personnel, don't get us wrong, but I, I suspect Nottingham Forest will do enough at home. So I'm suspecting a 1-0 win. Maybe just a penalty is enough to keep them to at least stay off the relegation for it anyway for the time being. But yeah, again, that's a huge one for them because I think if I remember rightly, a few weeks ago, we talked about their fixture list. I think they're away to... Um, Liverpool at some point yes. as well yeah, in that yeah, mix. Yeah. So they, they're at way to Chelsea as well. So actually, so it's Southampton this week. Then they've got Chelsea away the following Saturday. Then they're at home to you guys, Rory, <laughs> Arsenal. And then last day of the season, away to Crystal Palace. So huge, yeah, that's huge a games. Rough, rough run of form for the tricky trees, unfortunately. But we're going to yeah. leave the Premier League there because... That's all the Premier League has to offer this weekend. Yes. And we're going to go, I think that's enough. We're going to yeah. go for Serie A. Adam, I went to hit the yes. button. There you go, I've done it. Take us through the Serie A preview. I'm going to just briefly go through it because I'm conscious of time, but we mm-hmm. have got a fantastic schedule on Saturday. Start off at 2 p.m. Central European time. So we've got Milan taking on Lazio. As we alluded to, Milan needing to get a result. Lazio not in great form of late. Rory, we talked about it earlier, but how do you expect this game to go? I think this is going to be... I'm going to back Milan to win. I think Lazio are wobbling a little bit. I think Mm. Milan... I think there was a pattern in their fixtures that was like draw, draw, win, draw, draw, win. So I I think it's draw, draw, so it's time for a win. Um, So (laughs) I know I'm going to to back Milan to win this. I think they just sneak it against the Lazio that's starting to struggle. Yeah, I agree on that one. Meanwhile, the city rivals Roma host Inter Milan at 5pm on Saturday. As we alluded to, Inter in great form. Roma with Jose Mourinho and his mic. You never know what they might record. Uh, Will they record a win here, Rory? Very good. No, I think they could. Like Mourinho against his old opposition is always going to try and pull something off. But they've not won in three, Roma. So they lost to Atalanta, drew against Milan, and then drew against Monza. A disappointing run of form. I, I think... Inter can get the job done here. Fresh off a 6-0 yeah. win, I expect them to roll on and keep the good times rolling straight into that derby. Yes. And the last game on Saturday, I didn't potentially think about actually calling this out, but it's a relegation battle. So we've got Cremonese at home to Spezia. Big game for both sides. Spezia more so. Uh, they'll need a win, but where they're going to get this win, I don't know. Maybe Onzolo on the score sheet, potentially. Um but they'll need a big performance at the back as well. We'll move on to Sunday. We've got the big game taking place at 11.30 Central European time, and that is Atalanta taking on Juventus. As we alluded to, Atalanta in great form of late, pushing themselves, but Juventus likewise needing to make sure that they confirm a win to maintain their top four finish. In the other game, as we alluded to, just very quickly, sorry, Juve Atalanta was a three-all draw last time. So this game was an absolute barnstormer last time. They've drawn Mm. their last two meetings as well. Juve haven't beaten them since 
April 2021. So Atalanta's record against Juve recently has been pretty impressive. They won in Juventus last season as well. Um, so, yes, yeah, could be a tricky one. Not a good time for Juve to be running into Atalanta. No, no, definitely not. Um, but as I was going to talk about, the champions of Italy, Napoli at home <laughs> against Fiorentina on that 5 p.m. Central European time. And then the late kickoff on Sunday is Lecce taking on Hellas Verona. Another relegation battle there, Rory. Probably not a game for the neutral, um, but Rory, we know this could be a fascinating game. Two different contrasting teams on that farmer's pitch. How do you expect it to go? Well, Verona won 2-0 last time this game, so they did have the upper hand in Verona. As we said, Lecce's form of late hasn't been as impressive, so they did manage to beat Udinese, but that's their one win in the last, mm. Jesus, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One win in ten games. Um, this is absolutely huge, this game. Um, but Verona off a 6-0 defeat. Like, that's going to take a bit of a recovery. Yeah. I'm going to say this one ends in a draw. I'm going to say a nil-nil, because I think neither Ooh. of these teams massively, akin like, put goals away. I'm just looking at Lecce. He's got a scoring record. It's atrocious. Yeah, they're going to need a Bacharito special or Stravetta yeah. potentially to help them out here. Um, just to quickly go through the other games. So Torino take on Monza on Sunday at 2 p.m. as well. And then we move on to Monday. So we have Empoli taking on Salernitana at 5.30. Again, at 5.30, we have Udinese taking on already relegated Sampdoria. And then the late kickoff in Serie A, Sassuolo taking on Bologna. Not much to play for there, unfortunately, for both sides. Um, but good football potentially for those. I that still think that it. could be a really interesting. I, mm. I I think that could be a really fun game. I yeah. think that would be a fun game because it's just vibes. Shackles yeah. are off. Let's see they who like can win. Play. Right? And yeah. Bologna could do friggin' anything. <laughs> like they, <laughs> exactly. they just lost they three one to Empoli, and yeah. they've been beating teams handedly this year. So yeah, yeah, you never know what you're going to get. But guys. We are going to leave it there this week. Yes. We have, I think we've done everything. There's been so much football to cover. Honestly, every night I was like, oh, we need to talk about this on the pod. We need to talk about this on the pod. We need to talk about this on the pod. <laughs> it got a bit ridiculous. Um, but we are going to leave you there. I've lost the Mourinho quote. So I'm just going to say <laughs> thank you for joining us. Um, as always, please follow us on Twitter at um, Italian Anglo Pod, on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod. Um, and if you're on YouTube, hit the like and subscribe button, tell a friend, Adam, anything to say before we go? It's only the second time I've missed a quote this season, guys. Let me know. I've, I've got the quote. Oh, I've got the quote. So I will sign, I will sign out the uh, viewers and the listeners to this quote. So the magnificent Jose Mourinho says, I am not stupid. I had to protect myself. Everything is recorded. For now, take care, everyone. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. Podcast Network.